find out if you're ready for love. Here's your marvelous host, Nikki Lee. Hello, and welcome to Ready for Love Radio. This is your host and love coach, Nikki Lee. Listeners, I have got a fascinating guest with me today, and she has done and does you know, every time I look at her website, I find something else that she does. I, I, I just, I, unbelievable. And the list, I'm telling you, as we go through this, y'all are going to go, another thing? So it just, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how we're going to fit this in an hour. I really, really don't, but we're going to try. We are going to try to hit on as much stuff as possible, but I am really going to suggest that after the show, not during, after the show, you go check out our website just to find all the stuff that I missed getting to tell you about. And I'm also going to warn you that as hard as I try, I'm probably going to get her name wrong, and she's going to clear, she's going to she's going to straighten me out and, and clear it up for you. But I will get the last name right. So I would like to introduce you to Ambika Davy. How been how screwed up? That was pretty good, Nikki. It's you. You were just you weren't trusting yourself, but you hit it. It's Ambika Davy. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. That was closer than I was earlier. <laughs> so okay. So it's great to have you with us. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's really a pleasure to be here. I'm excited. I'm I'm really really happy to be sharing uh, as many things as we can fit into this time together for you. Yeah. So, where would you like to go first? I, I try to cram a lot into an hour. <laughs> so, well, and, and you know, as soon as we finish, the replay post on my on my website and goes out to the, the podcast directory, so it's right there to listen again. So, <laughs> you know, I I love I love your bio. So let me give that to them first, just to kind of give them a little bit of a introduction. She says she's on a peace-building mission to help people realize their true nature so they can step out of the churning river of thoughts and activity on the mind, stop wearing insane schedules like badges of honor, and begin their days reinforced with the calmness of a meditation practice brings. With 45 years of experience, 13,000-plus hours of study, and having taught over 19,000 people the art of meditation, she gives you five clear steps that lead you directly into a state, a deep state of meditation. As your coach, she places you precisely on your path using tools from her multiple degrees in the fields of study, which include a master's in yoga and meditation and bachelor's degree in astrology and fine arts. As an international bestseller and award-winning author, she helps inspire your creativity. As your coach, she guides you to bring your vision of your book into reality. As a speaker, she motivates and inspires audiences to feel empowered to transform themselves and help others. She's appeared on the Learning Channel, syndicated in public radio, and in periodicals as a relationship and communication expert and taught holistic health at the university level for 21 years. (gasps) Phew! I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's time to retire maybe no 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 you know why Nikki because when we stop learning we stop living that's really something I live by well and we and we stop growing we stop growing you know for me it's creativity obviously (laughs) 
I completely agree with you. You know, and it's if if I wasn't if I wasn't learning every day, I'm bored. You know, mm. I, I've I've been in the hospital for a month recuperating from from major major things, and I mean, I insist somebody bring me my computer. I'm like, no, 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 no. I I gotta have I got, I gotta be doing something. I can't just be here because that just bores me out of my mind. It's like I'm not just gonna watch TV all day. No. Nope. You know, so I get it. I completely get it. Well, yes, my newest book was, uh, you know, the Pandemic Lockdown Project. See, there you go. Exactly. I mean, I'm not going to sit around and pour me. I'm going to make something of it. And so I decided I would, you know, of course, I left the gym. The gym's closed down, right? And it's not like I was a big gym rat, but I did utilize it especially when it's super, super hot here. I live in a subtropical zone. And, you know, I had to figure out, like, I think we all had to figure out, I don't know about you, but to me, it kind of felt like living in a space station. I guess I've watched a lot of (laughs) sci-fi and read a lot of sci-fi. But so I got a mini trampoline and a chin bar, and I already had a yoga space. But I just kind of augmented things even, uh, you know, like a balance board, and then uh, just recently got back into roller skating. So, oh, you know, I mean, it's it's always something with me. <laughs> That's what my mom would have told you if she was still here. Well, you know, it's, it's amazing the number of people, and I, I have a lot of friends that are musicians, and it's amazing the, the people that put out new albums while they were locked down mm-hmm. because they had time. You know, they weren't on the road. They weren't traveling. They, they didn't have gigs all over the place. And they right. had time to put on a new album. And the number of authors that, that wrote a new book because they had time, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I get it. I get it. I was, I was working on a book. You know? Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> you know, but we, we had the time. We were inside. Couldn't go anywhere. And, you know, I mean, I know a lot of people been binge watch Netflix the whole time, but I, you know, it was a great well, time. To I get think one. we all had an opportunity to do that as well. Uh, <laughs> but I, you know, I, I live alone, so I was really processing everything by myself. And right. I, my mother had just died in 2019. Uh, I was just <laughs> coming back. I came back in late February through a Miami airport. So that was the very beginning of seeing it out there in public. And uh, I was just kind of coming out of my cocoon. I remember coming back from that trip and stepping inside my house. And it was the first time I didn't feel sad or burst out into tears because of just being here and her not. You know, and I I wrote a lot of poetry and um, just made art and even uh, because I do a lot of photography, too. And and I think any artist, really, that (laughs) photography and journaling are the two things that help us. And that's our, you know, ongoing expression. And uh, and then, uh, you know, what do you do when you're single and the world locks down? You hang out on dating apps a bit, right? So <laughs> I had a little stint of that before the lockdown. And 
And then I was in a writing retreat because a friend of mine, who is also my editor, uh, Rusty LaHaye, um, she had this vision when we met the year, a couple years before in 2018. We were both over in Estonia partaking in Mind Valley University. And she had a vision of retreats. I had already been a retreat leader and guide, and we thought, well, let's do this. I'm a writer. She wanted to do writing retreats. I said, you know, I'll, I'll handle the travel bit through agents that I've worked with and my contacts, and, you know, let's get this going online because you live all the way out in the Pacific time zone, and I'm in the Eastern time zone. So we started virtual retreats. And we've been doing these bi-monthly. She leads them. And then this month, well, this past month of July 2022, we actually met almost every weekend with a different one. We just did our, uh, an erotic writing workshop, which was really fun. And uh, I got a little bit erotic in my newest book. That Even though, look, this book is about love of all sorts. It, it's called Cupid is a Bastard. And, it, you know, yes, it was triggered by a dating app incident. <laughs> but um, then it was also I started thinking about love. You know, I, I started writing a short story. And I sometimes when I'm writing something right away, a title comes to me. So yes. the, and it makes it a heck of a lot easier to find it in my file system. <laughs> which I think every writer needs to develop. This is something, if you have a way to capture your stuff and then be able to find it later, you'll be surprised yes. how much of it you'll go back mm -hmm. and use somewhere. You know, don't, don't throw that away. Don't let those thoughts go away. Capture it somehow, oh. you know. Oh, no, and, I'm, I'm, yes, I've got a huge file with book ideas. Yeah, all different kinds. I label them poetry, flash fiction, short story, prose songs, all, all of it, you know, and oh, yeah. you never know where it'll show up. I mean, in Cupid is a Bastard, I actually used a song lyric that I had never used anywhere. And yeah. uh, so I was working through dealing with death, which, mind you, people, I have dealt with a lot in my lifetime, even to the point where you mentioned music earlier. Don't faint. Please, Nikki, don't faint. But I worked as a professional musician for years. <laughs> <laughs> you okay? And um, uh, we did a lot of weddings uh, as a duo, as a trio. And I also, because I'm a vocalist and percussionist, I also played in big bands. One day I did three weddings. And yes, in one day, three different types, okay. a, brec a breakfast brunch, a cocktail evening uh, you know, breakfast brunch with a trio, cocktail evening with a duo, and then I went to play with a big band after that at a fancy five-star hotel. And when I got home, I said to my guitar-playing music partner, Brent, I can't. I just want to work at a at not a wedding anymore, but a funeral, because people are so much more peaceful, kind, and grateful. And I had, you know, at unfortunately at friends, well, maybe fortunately at friends funerals been the one orating, you know, and, right. and conducting it. And mm -hmm. I had become a minister. So I could even marry people, which I had been counseling people as an astrologer for, for years uh, right. and really getting people clear on the difference between marriage and a love agreement, 
because it's vastly different. Marriage being financial. We see this when people get divorced. They're not fighting right. over mm-hmm. love. <laughs> They're not saying, give me back my love, right? <laughs> They're saying, give me back my property or give me half of yours. And, uh, and uh, so I said to Brent that night after three weddings, I'd rather be at a funeral. And then, and then I read Love in the Time of Cholera. Have you read that or seen the movie? Both. I have Excellent. not. Oh, I, it won a prize. I mean, it's, it's a world-famous uh, piece of literature. And in it is a funeral singer, and I guess I got inspired. And just recently, I connected with a boat captain. I live only five miles from the coastline in Florida. And uh, she brought up funerals at sea. I said, no way. So I went home and brushed up on my sea shanties because there's some beautiful shanty pieces for funerals at sea. Oh, definitely. And uh, I said, I am ready. Take me, Captain. (laughs) But back to my, you know, I think it's just a continuation of the processing of death. But also, I teach people so often, you know, when they're going through grief, that it's the same window as birth. And I've done baby blessings, too. I mean, as, as a minister, I've done all kinds of things, you know, house blessings, baby blessings, uh, rites of passage, uh, weddings, funerals, all of it. And I think that's what Cupid is a bastard really is uh, an explosion of creativity from all those kinds of experiences because they all produce an awareness of the gratitude of life and love, universal love, you know, being able to love self. This is such a hot topic, you know, so many younger people I see online just struggling and working to love themselves. And I wanted to be able to convey love at all different levels from hot erotic writing without getting vulgar uh, to love of my mother and my gratitude for my family. And even some of the, you know, look, our family is always smooth and comfy. Uh Uh-uh. They can get pretty prickly (laughs) and difficult, right? And uh, just processing it all. And it was a lot of it was inspired by these writing state treats, Rusty calls them, online, and prompts, writing from prompts, which is taking a sentence or a paragraph or several from a piece of writing and letting it inspire you to write something. Definitely. I'm, I'm putting together some, some journals with that, with different themes with prompts, so... Definitely. Well, it it definitely gets the creative juices going, you know. Mm. So, gets you out of your comfort zone and and very interesting. And but I well, couldn't read. Oh, I, I put a bunch of um, favorite quotes throughout the book. It's really put together like no other book I've ever seen. It is a step into my journal, but somehow we neatened it up and made it make sense. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> I know. I always, always like to lay out my books and do do something unusual to, to put like my stamp on it. You know, so, uh-huh. understand completely. 
Like it's got to it's got to have my touch on it. <laughs> so <laughs> I think one of the things with love too is helping people to understand that there's so many different types of love. You know, there's not just you can you can love a person or love people in so many different ways. You know. Mm. Yes. You know, and just because just because you have a feeling of love for a person doesn't mean it has to be a romantic love. It doesn't have to be a gushy, gushy, ooh, we have to be together forever kind of love, you know. There mm-hmm. are other other feelings of love you can have for people, you know, because people are like, oh, I love you, love you, you know, we have to be together forever. It's like there there are so many other loves you can have in your life that you can cherish and feel awesome about, but that it doesn't have to be that, you know? It's, mm-hmm. it's like people think that's the only thing there can be. It's like, no, no, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's, um, I don't know, it's, uh, there's so many ways to expand people's thinking and help them to, to end up being so much happier in in their relationships and and that's even something. Relationships don't have to be just about romantic, intimate relationships. There's so many types of relationships, you know. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's friends, there's family, there's business, there's and there's romance, you know. There's close friends, there's you know associates, there's all these things. But um, lots to learn about all that kind of stuff. Most definitely. So, so you're you're into a million different things. <laughs> How? And I, I, I use that number conservatively. <laughs> how, how how did this journey even start? How did you start to get into? Because it's it's not your common set of things. I mean, come on, you know, which I think is cool. I mean, I like unusual things, and I'm in a bunch of unusual things. How did this happen? Of Wait, course, you don't have. Are there like, any in particular you're wondering how they connect? I mean, I had a I had a mother who loved both parents loved the arts. Uh, my dad, my dad loved horses. When he was a little kid, he roller skated. I'm sure I got that from him. He was really into dance and music. Uh, he played the violin, and so. Uh, my whole family was into music. There was always okay. music playing in the house. Uh, I was taken to the ballet and theater, uh, great restaurants. I mean, my my senses were turned on to a lot of amazing things. I I had the unbelievable fortune of a great education uh, with with. <laughs> incredibly creative teachers and I went to schools that supported the arts so I wasn't limited that is something I think that really um, put input as far as holistic health I think that was that well I know that was because of my own health and conventional medicine wasn't working for me at a very Mm -hmm. early age and I asked my mother to find an alternative, and then we became really interested in holistic health collectively. Uh, cool. So that was supported. Um, travel. My parents took me out of school every year. They, my dad would negotiate with the head of the school, the principal or headmaster, whatever 
type of school I was in and uh, take me traveling. He would take our family traveling somewhere different. And sometimes we wouldn't have reservations. We would simply <laughs> show up and figure it out. Uh, he was an adventurer right. like that. Don't get me wrong. He loved home. He loved coming back home. Uh, but that was also an incredible thing because he was, my parents were pacifists and uh, they supported peace. And my dad's motto was shoot pictures, shoot cameras, not guns. And so this is how I was raised that, you know, that, that had a big influence on my foundation and being able to go out and explore. I've traveled more on my own as a solo traveler than I have with groups. And I guess that's what led me to leading groups, you know, being that kind of explorer, but also understanding what people need when they're traveling. And right. uh, as a musician, I worked at resorts. So I learned customer service and how to care for a guest. So I, I just keep putting myself in these different scenarios, learning from them, experiencing them, and then turning around and sharing with others. And that makes me happy. You know, it's interesting. I hadn't looked at it this way, but when I was growing up, we, we did a lot of traveling and, and the, the deal was, you know, give us give us weeks of our homework. We're gonna we're gonna travel. Um and that worked out well. And I'd just take all my books with me, you know, and we'd go. I remember mm -hmm. many times sitting on, on you know, lawn chairs with the waves coming in doing my homework on the beach, which <laughs> that's the way to do the homework, you mm -hmm. know. Um, definitely beach doing it in the schoolroom. Um, and a lot of consuming creative things, you know, like, I mean, we always had music on when I was at home and all, all varieties of music. I've got, you know, fantastic background in music. But consuming it but not doing things creatively that that was never a thing especially with my dad um mom was more of a craftsy kind of person but dad never was and so when because i i had a dream to be a writer when i was just little mm -hmm. and and that was never never encouraged now my a couple of my teachers knew i wanted to starting in like second grade Mm -hmm. And so the day my first book came in and I opened up the, the box and I, you know, held my print book in my hand for the first time, I actually tracked her down and found my second grade teacher. Nice. And trust me, I, that was many years later, you know, and, and she actually cried. She says, I knew you'd do it. I knew you would. Oh, that's and, so beautiful. I know. I know. That was that was a very cool moment. Um, <laughs> it, it took some work, but I found her. I did. Um, wow. So, like I said, so so consuming the creative things and the arts was was a priority for my dad and and my mom. But actually, being the the creative person myself was not something they encouraged me to do. So that I, I just hadn't thought about the difference in the two things on what was being encouraged in my household. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I love, I love how doing interviews makes me look back and think about these things. 
That's great. But, um, that's okay. That's okay because I got to do it anyway. <laughs> so. Well, so, so when you open up my newest book, you'll see how I integrated visual art and photography uh, right. with several different styles of writing. A, a short story that weaves through the whole thing, which uh, I conceived how this would all go before we started editing the copy but definitely baffled my editor at, <laughs> at first. And then she got the hang of it once she saw, hey, this is really working. And it's, it's really, I think it's a real good inspiration for writers who maybe have fantastic journals and don't know what to do with it. You know, it, it, it is a way. <laughs> to put it out there and share it with people if you want to, because there's some good stuff in everybody's journal that deserves to be shared. We I, mean, I, I was watching an interview the other day Oprah did with Matthew McConaughey, and he, he said that, that he decided he was going to finally take, he, he'd been writing journals for like 30 years, mm-hmm. and he finally he had them all in a big box, along with a bunch of stuff he'd just thrown in there over the years, and he said he took them, he went out in the middle of nowhere, and he took the boxes, and he's taken all the stuff out, and he's like, okay, what have you got to tell me, you know, and deciding what what he could do with them, and if there if there was a book there. It's like, you know, is is there something here for me to share? You know, so it's as, as the same kind of thing you're saying, you know. Mm-hmm. Have, have, have you kept these these thoughts in journals, and is there something there? to share and and the thing is even if you don't publish it is there something in there to share for yourself that you need to see again you know mm-hmm. you never know you never uh, know. occasionally i do that uh, usually when i'm looking for something but i'll pull out a bunch of journals and sit on the floor for hours going through them and um, a couple times I've even taken old dream journals on vacations with me as reading yeah. material, just to read page after page of dreams I've had. That's pretty wild, too. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, it's interesting. Well, I even do that with some of the, the like short stories and, and things that I've written, you know, that, that I just kind of, started on a whim and never did anything with most everything mm-hmm. I've written I've published but I've got a couple little things that I just kind of had a thought and, and wrote like a page or two or something and I'll, I'll stumble across it on my hard drive and I'm like what in the world is this you know and it's like oh wow <laughs> but yeah it's kind of kind of cool to go back and look at this stuff and mm-hmm. I, I used to do um uh I can't art of the something um, was what's her face Cameron and morning pages. I did a lot hmm. of that when I first started writing. Oh, um, uh, the artist's way. Yes, that's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, that was interesting to go back and look through those and uh, kind of see what what I needed to just get out, you know? Because it, it, it's interesting what flows out when you're doing those, you know? Mm-hmm. Most but definitely. I think, um, and I'm I'm in the process. One of the things I'm hoping to do before the end of the year is um, I've, I've got a lot of um, templates to start um, creating my own journals to uh, 
put up for sale in my Etsy store. So I'm uh, working on, that's one of my upcoming projects. I just announced last week, actually, on the show. So, so yeah, those those will be coming soon. But interesting stuff, interesting stuff. So tell us a bit, what are you doing about writer's block? If If you're trying to write and you have writer's block, what do you do? Lego. <laughs> I'll tell you how this came about. Uh, I loved Lego as a child. Loved it. And then I went to art school, a, a university art school, and I came home on a vacation day to visit my folks, and my mother had given my Lego away, and I had original, you know, 1960 wow. Lego. Uh, well, not original, original, because it was originally wood. I did have plastic, but. <laughs> um, and I had friends uh, who were getting into Lego again. Uh, this was uh, this was a couple years ago. And I was writing, I had uh, agreed to write articles for a digital magazine, an e-zine. Um, so I had been writing articles and having a great time, and they were loving them. And then they kind of gave me an assignment. I guess it just didn't really hit strong, and I was no. having kind of a block. And it happens. No. I mean, if I'm writing a book and I don't feel like working on it, I don't care because I'm the publisher. I have my own no. publishing company. I can go do something else, you know. I can go roller exactly. skating or get into art or, or something else. And uh, so, but this had a deadline, right? And it was getting close. Nice. Meanwhile, a friend of mine's husband who I had befriended um, just because he was a Lego maniac and I was just so into his posts on Instagram. Uh, well, and also because he's my dear friend's husband, I wanted to get to know him also. And uh, I just loved what he was doing. And I then I engaged him as an enabler. <laughs> and I said, should I do it? Should I do it? He's like, yes, yes, yes. And I was really into the Mandalorian, the uh, uh, spinoff from yeah. the Star Wars. Um, right. franchise right so uh and i had already been nicknamed yoda people had already uh -huh. nicknamed me and i have i had a website well i still have it yogini yoda yogini being a female yogi and then yoda obviously yoda and then i you know set my eyes upon the baby yoda whose name is grogu and i thought wow so then people started giving me Baby Yoda stuff, and I saw this really cute little Mandalorian Lego set, and I thought, hmm, maybe I could get back into it. I'll try this and see if I like it, because uh, I hadn't done it in so long, and I knew it had come a very long way with many new shapes of blocks and bricks and things. And I saw a, a larger Grogu statue that you could build. And then uh -oh. I, I looked at the website, so I, and it, it, fast forward, I ended up buying the larger one. I bought the, the Mandalorian set and a little uh, Lucky Cat. I like the little um, Japanese Lucky Cats. Uh, yes. So I built the Lucky Cat, which was pretty quickly. Then I built the little uh, Mandalorian set pretty quickly. Uh, it was tiny. <laughs> and then there's the box of 
of Grogu, the baby Yoda. And I'm stuck like heck on this writing project and I had three days to get it done. And I looked, I said, you know what? I, I can't sit here at my computer. I'd been rejected three times, had it tossed back in my lap. Uh, and so I sat down on the floor, put on Netflix and spent the entire day building this baby Yoda stuff statue <laughs> got stuck on the the last little bit and decided it's time for sleep woke up the next morning looked at it figured it out with a fresh mind and then walked over to my desk cranked out that article sent it in loved it they loved it and i thought wait a second what just happened i mm -hmm. i I walked away from my desk. I played with Lego. I even let myself watch Netflix all day long, you know, and, and mm -hmm. listen to music, podcasts, all different things that day. And I thought, wow, I, I got into a different place of my cognitive mind. I got into my creative mind. Lego, to me, is a combination of art and puzzle, right? right. So you're using those skills since then, I have done things on my own without a map, without a book, things I've designed. Right. Uh, but I will say that it definitely took me out of it, and uh, I have become kind of an addict because <laughs> I love Harry Potter, and they have some really cool Harry Potter sets. And, and I, it just took me back to what I used to love. I used to love making environments and yeah. uh not just out of lego i i used to go in the woods with my friends and we would build fairy houses out of sticks and moss and found objects right. in the woods and i loved making little environments and it, it just really took me back there so yeah yeah that that is one and the other is a mini trampoline and roller skating. If I am, st I, I don't stare at a screen wondering is another word going to pop out of my <laughs> fingers, you know, uh, on my keyboard or an empty journal page. It'll, it, it will either turn into some kind of art or movement or even just going out in the sun and standing in the pool, you know, <laughs> or floating. I have this crazy ability. Well, yes, my pool is salt water, but I am, I can float without a float. You know, I can just lie back in the water, kind of like okay. 11 in Stranger Things, those of you who love right. Um, yeah, I, I don't need to be taught how to float. I have a weird superpower that I can float, especially in the ocean and saltwater, but I can do it in a chlorinated pool. I don't really choose to, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I tell you, it's, it's funny you mentioned puzzles and that kind of thing. Um, I had a aortic dissection back in 2015, and unbeknownst to me and the doctors, during the surgery, which was extremely bad, um, I had a stroke, oh, and wow. and I was in such bad shape. When you, when you come out of the surgery, you're in such bad shape you could barely move anyway. And because of of it being open heart surgery, um, you can't move your upper body because the the sternum needs to heal and all this. And they they really they didn't know that I had a stroke. It was it was a minor stroke, but still. Um, and so I had a, a lot of trouble thinking through things and 
forming sentences and, and all this sort of thing, but which was a normal, a normal part of the recovery process from the major surgery anyway, because um, they, they basically were repairing where the aorta and, and the heart come together. That, that's where one of the, the major parts of the problem was. And um, so it, it just, it was, they, they just didn't realize what all had happened. Um, well, that part of it anyway. So I'm, I'm trying to recover from all this, and, and my mind was just not working with me at all. Um, and so I was trying to figure out how in the world I was going to get back to being able to function again. And, and we were kind of getting the physical side back, but I, I just I wasn't able to, to think, to do sentences. And as a writer, that's a real huge issue, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's really hard to interview people when you can't put sentences together, and especially when you need to think on your feet and that kind of thing, you know. So I was, I was here, and I was, I was trying to recover. And I'm like, and I love playing games on my, on my phone. I just, I do, right? Mm-hmm. And I love the the puzzle games. I just I you know the Candy Crush and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I I started playing those, and it was really 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 hard when I first started. And and then I noticed though that as I was playing those and getting better at them, I was starting to think a little bit better. And I so I kept it up, and I was playing them more. And I mean I couldn't do anything else, you know, because the doctor didn't want me doing. I couldn't lift over five pounds for like a couple months and all this. I mean what 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 can you do, right? So, so anyway, but that is amazing the difference the playing those puzzle games mm-hmm. had in helping me get my mind back to the point where I could function. So even, and I've had two more of those surgeries in the last three years and, and cancer. So, you know, trying to recover from all that, I found that when I, when I have problems now where the mind's just kind of not firing on all cylinders like I needed to, the puzzle games are a huge help yes. to kind of help me to get it, you know, so come on, you know, when I need a kickstart. Those mm-hmm. are really, really helpful. So well, if there's anybody yeah. that is having that, those kind of issues or even to a lesser degree, those puzzle games are a huge help to keep the mind going and get it going and all that kind of thing. So... Just, just something that I found was hugely helpful because, like I said, it was, it was bad. Or I'd think of a word, and, and it was so irritating. I, I get the first letter, or maybe the first two letters of, of the word I wanted, could not think of the right word for anything. But which, like I said, as an author, very irritating. But, but anyway, so never underestimate the power of a puzzle game. It's amazing how helpful it can be. Definitely. So that that is my method for getting rid of a, any kind of creative blockage. But I I love Legos. Oh my goodness! I, I and then I had then I had all of my Legos right and and Lincoln logs and all that kind of stuff right and and then my brother came along and they gave them all to him. I'm like, hold on, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and all my Matchbox cars and Tonka toys. I'm like, those are mine. <laughs> Well, that's a good lesson in in uh, letting go and uh, impermanence. That's a very you know it, it's a good lesson I think for a child to. But but I think there are ways you can present it so that they can take it in a little bit more readily. Well, I, I tell you what, I tell you the the big problem. Sharing wasn't the problem. 
problem was he chewed all the tires. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say about that, Nikki. But, you know, see, I thought you might see the problem there, though. Okay, so once, once you get the creativity flowing, because that can be difficult, how do you keep the creativity flowing? That's, well, I, I, I have to say I have never had an issue with that. Uh, you know, uh, I guess I took the motto of my astrological sun sign very seriously. Um, I'm also an astrologer, but I became very interested in astrology at an early age and started studying it on my own as a preteen and became pretty adept at it by 12 and then later went on to study it and graduate from a university with it. But I'm a Scorpio, my sun sign. I'm born in October and the end of October I'm is Scorpio. And the motto of Scorpio is I create. And I really took that seriously. <laughs> you know, I, I was born in November and I'm a Scorpio too. Well, there you go. There you go. Uh-huh. Yes. And I like to, I, as I look at my stack of books that I've written, because Cupid is a Bastard <laughs> is my sixth book, I, I see the unfolding and also how I used visual art right from the start. In my first book, Lilith, which is a novel, I was very adamant with my publisher about, because I was with a publisher at the time, uh, right. about having particular things at um, section headings because I broke it into sections as well as chapters right. and, and having uh, things in the corner, top corners around the numbers. And uh, I carry that through my books. I took over my publishing rights during the writing of my second book, Unfolding Happiness, that first book, Lilith is, like I said, a novel. And then I went in, I wanted to write self-enrichment, but my publisher said, no, 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 you have to get your creds as a writer first, write a novel. And I thought, oh, Lord, how am I going to do that? (laughs) You know, I had been writing curriculum for many years, so self-enrichment seemed like a great way to take things I had been teaching and converting them into books and reaching a much broader audience. Uh, And I've always been a poet. I mean, I first started writing, you were talking about second grade, I think, earlier, when you really were getting into it. It it was your second grade teacher that recognized it. It was my third grade teacher for me. And uh, I used to draw in the margins of my papers that I would hand in, my, you know, my assignments. And she never got angry or tried to squelch that. She, she, I was inspired by Mad Magazine. I loved Spy versus Spy, and my brother, who was older, was allowed to have that magazine, so I would snatch them when I was nobody was looking or he was done with them, uh, or at least taking a break on a particular issue. And I just thought those were really cool. What a great idea. And, and notebook paper had a great margin. Why not, right? <laughs> Yeah, so exactly. I had I had ongoing stories going on the sides of my homework assignments, and I definitely see in Cupid is a Bastard, my newest book, how I let that come back into being because of the way I've got like little quotes and artwork running around the uh, the different pages. Right. 
Interesting. Me and me and a friend, whenever we wrote back and forth to each other, we'd use notebook paper. And what we would do is, is we always listened to the radio, of course, because we were teenagers. And we would actually jot down what song was playing in the margins of our, our letters. And we wrote our letters backwards so that we had oh to hold goodness. them up to, you know, to read them because, you know, again, we were teenagers. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's that's some heavy-duty Harriet the Spy stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'm really good at writing backwards. I can still do that, actually. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I still have them, too. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, so I I am curious. I saw on your website just today that you are a certified Zentangle method teacher and trainer. Tell me about mm-hmm. that. I'm fascinated with this, with Zentangle. I got a graduate degree. I got a master's in yoga meditation and then immediately continued on, which I'm still years later uh, researching and writing about for a PhD in meditation. And so I was looking for all different methods that could potentially help a person get into a meditative state. And I found out about Zentangle from a a local artist who was using a similar type of artwork on jeans. And she had created a bleach solution that would white out blue jeans, but not eat through, not eat all the way through them, which that's tricky there just chemistry and uh we had become friends and she was also doing hannah art which is really really similar to zentangle you know the hannah decorations on uh brides in different asian countries and just gorgeous gorgeous scrolly lace kind of drawing and uh, i also wanted to learn more about that and I would hang out in her store and we would draw and she had some books about Zentangle but she wasn't a certified teacher she there were renegade Zentanglers who went and they called it doodle art and all kinds of things and I researched Zentangle and saw that they were super purists that they had their own training certification program and I thought well this would actually contribute to my PhD because anything I could go study with bona fide teachers helped to contribute. And uh, so I went. I went to New England where they were and uh, in uh, Rhode Island and took their certification course, which was a blast and uh, just so much fun. Uh, Unbelievable. Even back then, I was in the 27th certification class. I think they're well into the hundreds because they've gone international. And it was really great. And I've also been back to reunion courses that they do. It's it's just super fun. And also uh, a great art because uh, it's a travel art because it can fit in your pocket. And right. uh, it's uh, so, and I, you know, at the time I was still traveling uh, and it's really fun. I, I, I took it 
with me one time. Well, I take it pretty much anywhere because, you know, it fits in a backpack or even a pocket pretty easily, depending on the size of your pockets. And, and uh, <laughs> I've actually calmed down teenagers <laughs> and younger kids with it while traveling and parents are very, very grateful for that. Uh, the materials aren't that expensive, so it makes a really great giveaway gift, you know, in that situation. And I, it's, it's been a really wonderful tool. And so it is kind of like Hannah, kind of like doodling. And some of it did find its way into the pages of not just this book, but also my third book, The Wizard and the Wrench, which is all poetry and art and photography. So, uh, yeah, so it's a fantastic tool. And uh, I was teaching it locally before 2020. I may do some online, but there's lots and lots of teachers who do this around the world and virtually now. I even see free classes, so go try it. It's a, it's a great art form, and, you know, you could do it in your journal. I started in my journal before I got their uh, bona fide Zentangle tools. Uh, they have paper. Um, a couple of the members of the family are graduates of Rhode Island School of Design, known as RISD, so really excellent materials and teaching tools. It's really worth it if it's something you might like. I highly recommend it. Interesting. I got a couple of books about it. I just haven't had time to look them over yet. Mm. But it just it looks it looks so fun. So relaxation and meditation, huh? That's what I primarily love about it. I I was teaching privately and group classes before we got locked down. And I was doing happy hour classes at a really cool uh, farm-to-table place with, with a wine bar kind of setup. And yeah. it was so much fun. We would all sit at a big, long table and draw and have a glass of wine or iced tea and looking out on a gorgeous garden. And that was super fun. But I also was using it with students, private students, who are on the spectrum so Asperger's, and one of the issues with people who are uh, experiencing that is combing and getting into the state of meditation or, or right. just getting out of a hyper-overdrive ADD situation. And it was amazing how I would witness my students combing down and just being quiet for a long period of time and also really getting into the art form. Well, the basic, to, to get started in it, the biggest thing is learning the initial patterns, right? Well, the thing about Zentangle, there are a few axioms that, that, you know, a few like sutras that define it. One is it's one line at a time. Uh, another right. is if, if you can write, if you can write the letter I, the letter O, the letter C, and the letter S, you can zentangle. So when it's taught properly, it's not trying to create a big mandala. It's about starting with a shape and then letting that shape expand. Uh, so truly, when you're looking at these different uh, patterns, 
you, you are starting with a, a method of how to draw them that's not necessarily what you're thinking when you're looking at them. An I, an O, a C, and an S. Yeah. Is that what you said? Yes. Huh. So that's, that's what separates a real Zentangle instructor from somebody who might be learning from renegade books. Okay. I, O, C, I could do that. Okay. Of course you can. We've all doodled. <laughs> we all have yeah. also a, a go-to doodle. You know, right. uh, if you think mm-hmm. back to when you were listening to economics teachers in high school, you probably yeah. had a doodle pattern. What about what about helping people that um, are starting to have dementia? Would it be beneficial for them? Yes, and Zentangle also has tools and sets for uh, with like bigger uh, pens you know, a, a thicker line pen and a slightly mm-hmm. bigger piece of, uh, they call the paper tiles because they are kind yeah. of thick and their their edging is really beautiful. And so it just depends, but absolutely, the, when you take the instructor program, you do learn uh, methods for teaching people with different challenges. Okay. Okay. I was so about the, like, it, it's I'm just, worth a try. It's just that uh, it just depends if the person would be interested in it. I think if they were interested in art when they were younger, it might help. Uh, as a musician, I played music in uh, daycare centers for people with dementia with a friend of mine who was a flautist. And we did discover that the combination of drums not a big drum kit, but maybe a mellow indigenous drum and flute together were pretty amazing for helping people to kind of uh, return for a bit and and be cognitive. Okay. Well, the person that I was thinking about that I, I thought this would benefit um, was very into art when they were younger and all through their teens and, and early 20s and all that. So, and I was just thinking that that it would work a different part of their brain that isn't getting, I mean, they haven't done anything creative in years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just thinking as, as far as the whole dementia thing, it, it might really help to mm-hmm. start using the creative side again. So, okay. I would, I mean, give it a try. Why not? That's what I was thinking. Definitely. <laughs> and like I said, it just looks fun. It is fun. <laughs> I'm into fun, obviously, Zentangle roller skating, you know, music, yeah. dance, art. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so how can how can listeners find out more about your books and about you and all that kind of stuff? They can visit my website. So please come visit ambikadevi.com. That's A-M-B-I-K-A-D-E-V-I. Ambikadevi.com. There, I invite you to join my newsletter list. I only send out one a month. And my community that subscribes gets together with me once a month on the second Thursday evening of the month East Coast time uh, for either a movie and a discussion or sometimes a live presentation by a guest, sometimes a combination. Last month, we watched a documentary that a dear friend of mine from the Hopi tribe who is a PhD working on uh, indigenous 
growing techniques to help our planet survive. We watched a documentary that he was involved in, and then he came for Q&A, which was a great experience. This month on the second Thursday, which is the 11th, I will be the guest speaker. I don't usually do it. I usually emcee it. <laughs> but uh, people have been asking me to please talk about holistic health. I think it's the, the state of the world inspiring. Uh, so I will be presenting about that. Um, I don't know if, if our show will be out before that. But second Thursday of every month is it a will great be. opportunity. Oh, excellent, excellent. So be sure to go to ambukadevi.com, A-M-B-I-K-A-D-E-V-I.com, and look around. You'll see my books. We are moving all of my astrology and my blog over there. So we are uh, expanding the site, bringing together a lot of other sites that had been floating around in cyberspace. <laughs> it gets like that. There's just there's stuff everywhere. <laughs> so. well, it depends. You know, years ago I had one big site, and everybody said, no, 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 you know, pick a lane. You have to have multiple sites. I tried that. It drove me nuts. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Same That's with social media. Good. So uh, on social media, I'm Ambika Davy 1008 but all the social uh, links are going to be linked from my website, so just go there first. Yeah. Easier. That's so much easier. So much easier. Yes. Yep. Definitely. All right. Well, thank you very much. It was very interesting, and it would be interesting to talk to you. And I, I'm so so excited that you you did Zentangle. I've been dying to talk to somebody about that. Wow, that's awesome. so cool that you found that this morning. I did. I was looking down. I'm like, oh, Zentangle. <laughs> so. Well, there's Zentangle in The Wizard and the Wrench, my third book, and there's also Zentangle. And Cupid is a bastard. Awesome, awesome, mm -hmm. awesome. I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I'm sitting here and looking at my books right now, right now. So. All right, I'll look forward to seeing mm -hmm. some of your artwork. Yeah. Okay. Not to that point yet, but. Well, yeah. no. Here's the thing. It's really the process of drawing it. It has nothing to do yeah. with the finished product, but you're going to be amazed. And how cool they come out right from the beginning, really. Yeah. Yeah. Just get into the process. And that's the same with writing, of course. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it improves over time. So it's enjoying the process for it too. So all right. Well, I will have I'll have all of our links and all that good info on the website. And the it'll it'll be on my website folks and the replay will also be there and thank you very much for being here and listeners oh, thank you I'll, listeners i'll be with you next time on ready for love radio